TVOX podcast, Speech Therapy, Part 1. I'm Jennifer Kirk, and I'm here with Zoe Robinson. Hello. And we're going to be talking a little bit more in-depth about various aspects of speech therapy, following on from the general podcast that we uh, recorded the other day. Um, but we're going to just delve into a few of the specific areas. Uh, and I think probably the, the most important thing um, where anybody, any male to female person starting out on speech therapy um, is chest resonance. Now, this is one that the trans men get for free, as it were, because uh, on testosterone, um, your voice will break. Um, so this is an area that that uh, is probably of most relevance to trans women. But well, uh, for, for trans men early on in, the, in transition, it can be useful to attempt to mimic chest resonance. And your voice breaking doesn't necessarily give you chest resonance. For example, well, we're case in point there, aren't we? Because we have it and we know how to remove it. And well, I, I remember going to school with a lot of guys who had voices that just didn't have chest resonance. It's not something that you necessarily develop. Yeah, because your chest cavity develops through yes. testosterone, and that does not necessarily happen um, quickly. And your voice will get deeper um, as your vocal cords uh, develop on the testosterone. Uh, but the chest resonance is a factor of the chest cavity, uh, which develops over time. Um, most trans women uh, are, are at a stage where they have um, a male-developed chest cavity uh, that creates the chest resonance, which is really the first step to get rid of uh, in pursuit of a more female voice. Um, and I think probably what we ought to do now is run through some comparisons of... Uh, try and hold a pitch, I think. I'll let you do it. You're better at this than me. Um, try and hold a pitch um, and do it with and without chest resonance so that people can hear the difference. There you are, I've sprung that one on you. That's an interesting point. I'm trying to hope it. I'm not entirely sure how you would do that. Well, we can try with humming. That's always a good one. It's also a very good one for working out pitch as well and training your vocal cords to be higher and higher if you hum. <laughs> trying to hold it you can tell I'm tone deaf um, but if you bring in chest resonance or just drop your voice and I can feel the, the chest resonance as I'm talking now and it makes a hell of a difference to, to coin a phrase because you've become very much aware of where your voice is and it stops from being in the head, which is another thing that I don't think we covered last time. Feeling where your voice is coming from, and if you can resonate in the head, you're not resonating in the chest. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that uh, when you're speaking, if you place your hand on the top of your chest, just above uh, your breasts, or where your breasts will come, um, and just feel when you're talking, when you're talking with um, head resonance, and you'll still feel some degree of vibration, but it's almost like a faint vibration. But if you let the chest resonance kick in, you can feel your entire chest reson- um, chest cavity moving. Um, and for most people who've grown used to talking with chest resonance uh, prior to transition, it's something that you won't necessarily notice until 
you start to work to get rid of it. Uh, and I know that when I'd been through um, a good deal of speech therapy um, and then tried just seeing if I could still do chest resonance, uh, it, it almost it was almost like it was hurting. And you can sort of feel, yeah, you can hear it there. There's, um, It's almost like a, a, a more grating voice. Now, there you are. That's a voice you don't often hear. Um, but... Um, yeah, it, it's there's more power behind that voice. Stop laughing, um, and it, it's it is something that over time you, your vocal tract will become more used to um, speaking in the new way that you choose, uh, and it actually becomes very difficult to hold down your old voice. Um, but yeah, that's chest resonance in a nutshell. Um, how you actually get rid of it? Um, that that's a, a tricky one. Going back to what I was saying about the humming and the pitch, that is the way to do it. That's the way that my speech therapist taught me. If you can hum and learn to hold the pitch while just practicing, basically, moving the resonance and humming almost to the top. Try, if you can, get your tongue to the top of your mouth where the palate is and hum, putting the, the resonation in your tongue and at the top of your palate like mm, that's that to me I can feel it in the sinuses and not in the chest and that's the important part humming is the key for me it may not be for everyone but the way I do it you, you learn to hum and move you move the the sound around in your head it, it sounds silly but if you do try it chance that you'll find it work. To work for me or work for the other people that my speech therapist had handled. Yeah, and a, another thing is possibly um, if you think about that there's certain male artists, um, pop artists, who sing in a certain style which does remove the chest resonance. Uh, I think Mika, Scissor Sisters, and also the Bee Gees are probably a very good example. Bee Gees are a fantastic example. Yeah, uh, you try and mimic that sound um, and that's you know don't don't it doesn't matter if at first um you think oh gosh this sounds silly and you know you feel very self-conscious i mean we do i, I know when i first started working on it, i did feel very self-conscious but it's it's something that comes over time but just try and you know mimic that speech sound getting rid of that vibration uh and it's sort of mentally trying to uh, limit the power that's coming from your chest um and getting much more breathy as well. That was um, what my speech therapist used to describe it. Um, you know, if it's very exaggerated at first, it, that's not a problem. You're not going to immediately drop into what will be your final voice. No, no, uh, you even, even when a person hits puberty, they don't get their adult voice straight away. It takes years. But we don't necessarily have to take years because we're not effectively allowing nature to take its course we're helping it along but kids kids have to grow up so so does your new voice effectively yeah it's it, perfect yeah and it's something that you know, you just um find something that works for you uh it doesn't matter if it sounds exaggerated in fact in s some some ways of looking at it would be that uh Whilst you're practicing, uh, an exaggerated voice helps you to understand what it is you're trying to change and to work on the specifics of what you're trying to change. Uh, and you know, 
if you're just around the house, sat in front of um, like a computer with a microphone, very much like what we're doing here now, that can be very good for you to record what you're sounding like and be able to play it back to yourself so you can you can listen to how things are changing. One thing I would say regarding microphones, it was the way I first learned to learn learn to moderate moderate my voice and get a, a female sounding voice. But it's not for everyone. You will sound different on the microphone than on a tape recorder to what you do in real life. I mean, take for example, record your your voice as it is now, before you've tried to do it, to do anything, and keep a copy of that because when when you do listen back on on recordings, even even now, I'm I'm often shocked that I don't sound on the recording as I sound in real life. And this is something that you've got to remember. It it can be demoralising when you get the when you get a recording. I I personally, when I was at the speech therapy, I was almost in tears when I I heard myself once twice. Just remember, it's practice more than anything else. It's not always you that you hear. <laughs> 